They've never had a judge, a prosecutor, um, law enforcement just standing on their side, encouraging them and cheering them on and saying, you can do this. Hey, it's okay. People mess up, but you know what? We're going to go forward. I mean, what a, talk about grace. Oh, it, it <laughs> is. It, it's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed yeah. to see and help people along the journey, you know? And so really, instead of, I mean, just coming alongside of people, that is exactly what I think God calls us to do. Come alongside of people, encourage them, and take them forward with us instead of just kind of you know, banging their head along the way and being like, you should have known better, you should have known better, you should have known yeah. better. Oh wait, hey, let me give you the tools so that you do know better. Can you relate to any of these statements? I just feel so overwhelmed as a mom. No one understands or knows how I feel. I wish I had more time with my kids. I need a break from my kids. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing my best for my family, but I feel so judged and misunderstood. I'm never going to get through this. What if you could feel more understood and connected, happy and relaxed, confident and balanced, energized and fun, and maybe even burst out laughing? Girl, this book is just what you need. Mom of Six Dies Laughing, How to Ditch Overwhelm and Mom Guilt, Feel More Connected and Empowered, and Have More Fun. Six kids and 20 years in the pen, I mean parenting, I know what it's like to be in the trenches of motherhood. Believe me, I have seen it all. I use humor and true stories of the unexpected adventures of mom life to help you realize that you're not alone, you're not crazy, and you can throw mom guilt and judgment out the window and have more fun. So head over to imaginemom.com, that's with an E, not an I, imaginemom.com slash book today and pick up your copy. And don't forget to get 10 for your friends. Welcome to the Imagine Mom cast. This is your host, Elaine Kohanowitz. You're in the right place, Mom, if you're looking for real answers, real Jesus, and real fun. Hi, thank you guys so much for joining us today on the Imagine Mom cast. So um, the person that I'm interviewing today, normally the job that she does, unfortunately gets a lot of negative press and is sometimes the butt of some jokes. But I am so excited to have her here today because what she is doing with her profession is so positive and so transformative to so many people. And so today I want to welcome Amy Ashelford. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here, Amy. So I wanted to start out. um, Okay, so just to tell you, she is a lawyer and she is going to share with us all the amazing things she's doing as a lawyer. So I'm going to let her do that. But before... We get into that. I just want to ask you a few personal questions. What? How many kids do you have? What are your their ages? Um, what is your favorite thing to do in your spare time? And what's something fun that you like to do with your family? Okay. So I have two kids, Madeline, who is 15 and is a sophomore, and Jonathan, who is 13 and is an eighth grader. Um, we love we live out on some land. And so one of the things we love to do as a family is to just be outside together. And so we enjoy that. Uh, we have a dog who runs with us and, you know, we play fetch and chase cool. and run and all that good stuff. Do you run like run, run? No, just after the dog. <laughs> I, I used to run, um, but then I got older and it's just not as much fun anymore. And it hurts for way too long. So right. I, I walk if I'm going to do anything exercising. That's but awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then one of our fun things to do, we love to go out on uh, Smith Lake. We have a 
a fishing boat and we go out and they usually fish and I usually read and then we'll pull the kids on the tube and have fun so that's kind of what we do for fun that's awesome yeah so do you keep the boat in the slip and you just jump on and go we have the boat um we keep it at our house in the okay that's right you have land so no no problem correct that sounds really fun it is we enjoy it okay so tell us what you do as a lawyer so I'm an assistant prosecutor in Platte County Missouri and I have been there for 17 years. Uh, I've been a lawyer for, I think this will be my 20th year. Uh, which wow, is, that's pretty impressive. It, it adds up quickly. You're kind of like, oh man, that's hard to believe. But yeah, it, uh, in 2022, 20, it will have been 20 years. Wow. Uh, but I stumbled into prosecution um, because I knew my boss and helped him in an election before I even needed a job when I was working somewhere else. And then mm-hmm. um, I was working uh for a larger firm and I got married and they had so many expectations of my time and I looked around and realized that there were no partners that were moms and Mm. that probably wasn't the track I wanted to be. I someday wanted to be a mom after I'd gotten married. So I moved over to the government sector, which is a little bit less, it's not 80 hours a week all the time. It's just, you know, when you have trials and you work a lot more, but so Mm. much more conducive to being a mom. And so how did you know that? Like, how did you know the government sector was my dad was a lawyer and okay. he was a judge. Okay. So I, oh, so, okay. so I knew how it kind of worked and what would be better. And so I talked with him a lot about which path I should go on after I started. I mean, I enjoyed the farm work and I enjoyed doing that, mm-hmm. but I did, I wanted, I knew I wanted more than just to be a lawyer. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I think that's a lot of wisdom, though, because you didn't even have kids yet. No, but you can look around and see that if there are no yeah. nobody there to look up to that had kids, that was a female. I thought, oh, this is a this is not probably a good thing. I remember that being in advertising really early on, like uh, you know, all the the main partners and everything were like divorced or yes. single, and it was like, hmm, mm, that's not my path. Yeah, maybe isn't the right direction exactly but so now I've been prosecuting for a while and we in the last about 11 years ago we started a treatment court in Platte County which is what um, has become my job and I absolutely love it mm-hmm. um, it is the opportunity to give people a second chance who enter the criminal justice system who might uh, have a substance use disorder um, or Uh, facing some addiction concerns that don't seem to be addressed by the prison system. And Mm -hmm. so trying to find a way to better help uh, people who come into contact with the criminal justice system. And so um, that has been something I've been doing now for 11 years, and I love it. That's awesome. So did did you help start this program? The DWI court in Platte County, I did. I was part of the team that started it. Really? Yes. And so it was very cool. But I'll be honest, at first, I wasn't so sure about it. I was used to uh, kind of had this belief that if you'd had so many DWIs, you should have learned. Why didn't you learn? And you probably should go to prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we got into this, into it, and I started learning and discovering more about addiction, it really changed my mind and my perception of how uh, how people should be treated and what we can do for them. So how did you even have the idea? And tell us, I guess, first of all, like what, what it is that's different about what you're doing now versus what they were doing before with some of these people. So in Missouri, we had a, a law change that allowed for the creation of DWI courts. And so we'd had drug courts before, but Platte County didn't have any of them. And so 
we got a new judge and with the new law, he put together a team to try to create a, a DWI court. And what makes it different is if you've had multiple DWIs, normally go straight to prison. Mm -hmm. No questions asked. I mean, no questions they asked. They used to have like a three strikes you're out rule maybe or something no, like that? No. Not quite like that, but okay. on your third DWI, you d it did require some prison time. Okay. And so uh, that was just kind of an easy thing. That was what we did. It, it seemed to make sense because mm -hmm. I would think, well, surely if you didn't learn the first two times, you go to prison. Yeah. Well, little did I understand how addiction works and what it does and beginning to understand what that is and how just telling somebody not to do it doesn't help anybody. Mm. And so the beautiful part about a treatment court is you come into the criminal justice system having been arrested and you choose sometimes what is a harder path of the treatment court, which involves um, seeing a judge at least twice a month, um, weekly counseling, individual and group, uh, drug testing, drug and alcohol testing for up to 10 to 12 times a month. So you're randomly tested. Wow. So we know that people, where they're standing, if they're able to stay uh, with negative drug tests or if they're testing positive. And so those are things we can really hone in on if there's a problem or if something's coming up. Mm -hmm. And so it's a much harder program than to even just go to prison because you just go to prison and then you get out and you're done. And so it would be a, mm -hmm. a lot harder. Just to give us an idea, what would be like potentially a sentence in prison versus a sentence with, you know, the length of time? Okay, so usually you would offer a three-year prison sentence for something, a felony DWI, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And so our program is a minimum of a year. And so you're calling into a drug testing hotline every every morning to see if you have to test or not. Oh, wow. You, you also have to meet with a probation officer weekly to start out with and each of our things kind of taper down so you're not doing them through the whole year, but you start really intense at the beginning of the program. Mm -hmm. And then we have five phases in our DWI court. So in the first phase, you're lots and lots and lots of treatment, lots of um, counseling sessions. And then phase two, you kind of start tapering down a little bit. And phase three and four, we're trying to integrate you into something that is community-based mm -hmm. so that it can last. So whether that's an AA program mm -hmm. or whether it's Celebrate Re Recovery at your church or whatever it looks like, it's something that can be sustainable beyond your time in the treatment court. So when they do it, do they, I assume they just live at home. Do they, or is it kind of like a probation like it type like, of scenario? It is like a probation. Now, some people... Um, come in and they need a new place to live. And so we have had people live in, say, an Oxford house, which is a um, drug, uh, drug-free drug housing, and that's usually for men. Um, and so it's the, the whole housing program is set up for that. So there's different places they live. Uh, we also have partnered with Hillcrest uh, Ministries. Mm. Uh, they also do some drug-free housing, and they provide that. And so it just depends. But most of our people live at home. Okay. That's, that's awesome. So, so, um, when you, um, helped start it, like, how did you even know to have this idea? Like are other courts doing this? Yeah. So other courts are doing this. DWI courts was kind of new. Drug courts have been around since the 1980s. Mm -hmm. Um, the first one I think in Missouri was in Jackson County. And when you say drug court, you mean like it's like separate from a criminal, other criminal activity tech court or Cor correct. So drug court was the first one that was started and it is, it's solely treatment based where you still see a judge and it's still 
a court and you can still get in trouble and go to jail or prison. Uh, but the whole focus is treatment Mm -hmm. instead of just, um, prison or jail or, um, probation, which before didn't have the same rigorous treatment type program involved in it. Mm -hmm. And so drug courts were the first ones that were treated or were started. And then we started recognizing as a criminal justice system that, that this worked, that, mm-hmm. that when you invest in people and when you help people discover why it is they might have an addiction or what's going on and you get to the root of the problem, you can mm-hmm. actually, people can change and lives can be transformed. Whereas if you're just sending somebody to prison and never uncovering why it is they are struggling with whatever it is they're struggling with, mm-hmm. you don't see healing or recovery. And so um, that was the shift. And so drug courts were the first thing started. um, And then DWI courts were relatively newer in in Missouri. Uh, We also have a veterans court and Mm -hmm. a mental health court. What's a veterans court? Veterans court is for somebody who uh, would have served in the military. um, And they're obviously out now. um, But it is for them. And it's a unique program because it also provides that treatment element that sometimes people need mm-hmm. um, often you see PTSD yeah, sure. or just different things that come with having served. And so uh, being able to treat them through the VA and then through the system. And we also pair them up with mentors because that's awesome that veterans have a real bond, you know, and, and there's something different about having served with somebody. Right. So if you can find somebody who served in that same branch, you can encourage them and mm-hmm. mentor them and, and so we set that up. So that's pretty cool. That is cool, actually. It, re- it really is to see them succeed. And again, we're providing them that community partner so that it, it can be something that's lifelong and not just yes. while you're in the criminal justice system. What's really, really fascinating is, A, that this is so relational. Mm-hmm. And B, like, you know, we've been doing um, a lot of business mentoring. Mm-hmm. I mean, and basically, like, you pay a ton of money to do what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, for business, yes. you know, get a mentor, get some accountability, get someone like teaching you, someone mm-hmm. helping you with your psychological, you know, uh, development, like all that. It, that's it's exactly the same thing for business and people pay tens of thousands of dollars for that. Oh yeah, it it really it is. And what you realize is people need, I mean, we were never designed to do life alone. I mean, I think God's mm-hmm. been very clear about that. And I think people need mentors. People need people in their life. And what we find often in a treatment court setting is that you think about how you're trying to rehabilitate somebody, but they've never been habilitated. They never, we're not redoing anything. Often people just didn't know what to do. I mean, they just never had been taught some of the same things that I took for granted growing up in my in my home or my family. You know, yeah, just fascinating. You know, we have a young man who it's such a cool story. He's just talking no big deal. You know, now that I've been sober, I got a promotion at work. Did you know like I work better? My boss, I come to work all the time and he noticed that and I got promoted. You know, things like <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense, you know. When you're sober, you're not hungover, you're a much better employee. But never had done on him before because he'd wow. never been sober enough or had somebody explain to him that good employees show up for work on time. Good employees 
aren't high. And, you know, oh, wow. and so just seeing that in his life, real, real simple to me, like, yeah, but, mm-hmm. but it was life changing for him to understand. So what you're saying is like, um, you know, when, when they're put in prison, like they never, like we're like what you were saying about how if they've done it three times, they should know better. They don't know better. They don't know better. And so we're expecting something to happen without giving them any of the tools to make mm. their lives better. Mm-hmm. And so now, uh, when you do give them that chance, you just see an amazing uh, transformation in people, and they succeed. I mean, they're they're better at their jobs. They're better parents. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a young woman uh, stand up in front of the court um, during this past year and tell the judge she had her dad back. He was a man she hadn't recognized in so long, and yet here he was sober, and she was thanking the court. Wow. I bet that has to feel so good. Oh, there wasn't a dry eye in the courtroom. I mean, you're wow. just, wow. You're just seeing people transformed. It's pretty amazing. And that's why I wanted people to hear about this because you don't, you don't think that that happens in the court. No, people don't know about it. People don't, you don't hear about it unless you've seen it happen. And it's not something, it's, it's good news. So it's hardly ever shared. It's hardly yeah, anything right. that you get to yeah. see. Um, so often if it bleeds, it leads, you yes, know, and so right. we don't talk about the things that are going on that are pretty amazing. Yeah. And so positive. Mm-hmm. So could you share with us another, a couple more stories? Oh, about- absolutely. Uh, first I do want to say the thing that prepared me most for treatment court was being a mom, because what I realized wow, that's interesting. was that people needed encouragement. Wow. You just need to know, Hey, you're doing great. Or say they do mess up. So often I'll stand up in court and say things like, Hey, I know, I know you used this past week. That's fine. Thanks for being honest about it. We're going to gonna go on from that. That's over. And now today is a new day. So we're just going forward. So don't worry about that. That's been taken care of and just move forward and do what you can you know. And how does that impact somebody? It's amazing. You know, you just, they've never had a judge, a prosecutor, um, law enforcement just standing on their side, encouraging them and cheering them on, and saying, "You can do this. Hey, it's okay. People mess up, but you know what? We're going to go forward." I mean, what a, talk about grace? No, oh, it it <laughs> is. It, it's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed yeah. to see and help people along the journey, you know. And so, really, instead of, I mean, just coming alongside of people—that is exactly what I think God calls us to do: come alongside people, encourage them, and take them forward with us, instead of just kind of you know, banging their head along the way and being like, you should have known better. You should have known better. You should have known yeah. better. Oh, wait, hey, let me give you the tools so that you do know better. I remember in college, there was a girl that I had a couple classes with and she was from inner city St. Louis and she came up to me one day and she asked me if she could cheat off me <laughs> for the test. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and then I said, well, no, you can't cheat off me, but if you want, I'll come help you study. And I just remember looking at me like, what are you even talking about? Like, why would you spend your time to help me? Yeah. You know, she like, she, she had just never been in any kind of environment that was positive or helpful or people were encouraging to each other. Yeah. And, and, and yet you're, it's heartbreaking because yes, definitely. you just, how is that, that you did never have that. And so you feel bad and you can, you just see that there are, you know, cycles of systems uh, you know, in people's homes that, that maybe have been 
that way forever, you know, generationally. Yeah, and you all are helping break that. Correct. So it's really pretty, it's, it's pretty fun and rewarding to hear the different stories. So um, we had a somebody come into our wellness court program, and this individual had an anxiety um, disorder beyond belief, something that you could just, I'd never comprehended it, couldn't stand in front of the court without shaking, just absolutely terrified. Mm. Um, they were in our wellness court. And so we got this person hooked up with, um, a, a caseworker. come to find out this person had never had glasses that were fit so that they would be able to see. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Correct. <laughs> so literally talking about giving vision to somebody and seeing them be able to run with it was incredible. Um, getting glasses, able to see. Um, this individual went on to school um, and received all A's on her grades. You know, just wow. life changing. Something simple um, that just had never been ha- that somehow got missed in the system. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine not having been able to see and just being so terrified. And then so turning to and not knowing that there's an option that there's just because you're in such an isolated situation that you don't know you don't know that there's more than uh, that there are stronger glasses or there are things you can do to actually be able to see better wow yeah that's crazy just and amazing to see the just transformation um and this person came back uh to tell the judge how things were going and and that life had just continued to improve so it's it's (laughs) really strange to have people want to come back and see the judge and the prosecutor and say hey look at me things are good and so awesome what a testimony right it absolutely is it's really really cool to see so and so do you deal with just the duis or is it all kinds all kinds so um I kind of supervise all of our treatment courts in Platte County, but okay. I sit in regularly in our drug court and our DWI court, um, and then I help with our wellness and veterans court. So it's okay. pretty awesome. And and you're a prosecutor. Yes. So you're actually Normally like the person trying yeah. to put them away. Right. Yeah. 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 And so that's fascinating. Oh, it, it really is. It's such a strange dynamic to see now. And be one of their biggest cheerleaders, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's so fun to encourage and see success. So is the defense, I assume the defense lawyer is kind of involved. In yeah, that. we have a defense attorney that sits on the team as well. And so uh, our whole, what makes the system work, and I should have started this at the beginning, is we have a team of people for our treatment court team. So we have a judge, we have law enforcement officers, we have a probation officer, we have counselors, we have a defense attorney. Um, we have a treatment court coordinator, uh, we have, and so we have all of these people that come together and we meet to discuss each of the participants, Mm -hmm. um, at least a couple times a month to see what we can do to help them, um, to see if there's something, uh, that I know of over here that would be a program that maybe we could get them hooked up with or trying to help them find employment and so we also have a case manager that will help us so just different people and when you bring us all together it's amazing kind of what you can do with the community resources to help people move along that path you know so it's like the difference between before you're like defense and prosecutor you're like against each other correct but now you're working as a team working as a team together and it's really such a such it's such a unique concept when it started but 
once you get involved in it, you realize why it works. Because as you're working, and, and we're working together to better our community. You mm-hmm. know, if people can be successful, taxpayers, you know, good mm-hmm. family members, um, there for their kids. I mean, you're talking about things that can just completely better our community. What's like one of your most successful stories? Oh, I'm sure you have many, but there's there's, lot, there's really lots of stories. Uh, and when I say most successful, I guess that depends on kind of where they got started correct. and where they end up, right? And, and what their goal is. So we have uh, a woman who came into the system. Um, tragic story. So often people get addicted to drugs because of an injury, and so they start oh, wow. with. Um, different kinds of pain medicines that are legally prescribed and they, they, um, you know, get hurt, you know, they just stay on them. And so they get kind of hooked on pills. Well, pills get expensive. And so often people turn to heroin, which is just, you know, a sad, sad thing because there's so much that's not in control with that. And using heroin, you can have a lot of problems. Getting off of it is super, super crazy hard. hard. Very, very hard. And, And, um, that so seeing people get free of heroin is one of the most amazing things you wow. see. Wow, um, that's amazing. And it that really is. Yeah. If you've ever read about it, it's, it's it is it's horrible and it's very difficult. It's not something you just you know. My mind used to think, well, you just stop doing it. Well, <laughs> you don't. You don't know. just stop yeah. doing it. And so that's where that whole team comes together and really can can help and see. Oh, hey. Um, somebody had a slip up. Let's see what we can do. Did something happen in their life or teaching people how to cope with stress and just different, Mm -hmm. different ways to do stuff. But this one young woman came into the program. Um, she thanks the law enforcement who arrested her, um, for having arrested her. She takes them lunch every day or every year on the anniversary of her arrest. No way. Because it changed her life, you know? And so, wow, that's pretty cool. One of the other things, and uh, I wrote down, in Missouri, with drug courts, uh, there are 1,147 babies that have been born to drug court uh, female participants, and of those, 1,042 of them were born drug-free. So when you think about oh, wow. lasting impact for those kids um, who were able to be born drug-free instead of born um, addicted to drugs. That is so awesome. That's changing those babies' lives forever so it's not just changing the participants life it's like a ripple effect correct which is just really awesome that is really really cool it's so amazing so um just to go back a little bit before this all started um how did you decide to become a lawyer so i probably always wanted to be a lawyer because i grew up uh with my dad who was a lawyer Mm -hmm. and i did not realize at the time when i would go and work with him on saturdays and i loved you know running the office and being a lawyer as a kid answering phones making copies but he was working you're like he was working on saturdays it's hard work oh that's funny (laughs) but um I, I looked up to my dad, uh, and he was a he is a good man, and I admired what he did and how he um, he helped people in our community. He was things I didn't realize when I was a kid that he would do um, really helped me make that decision later. For example, he he got paid sometimes in things that wasn't money. Like there was a woman who um, had a bee farm. I don't know. Honey. We got paid in honey one time, you know, wow. and I, I thought it was super cool because we got lots of honey. Yeah. And I realized, well, my dad was just like, okay, just we'll go ahead and trade and I'll take some honey and, and just different things that my dad did in our community 
um, he was always at, he was a servant's heart, and so oh, I think awesome. I saw that and wanted to go into law to uh, be like my dad. So. Oh, that's cool. Well, you know, you don't appreciate lawyers until you need one. This is true. <laughs> often, <laughs> often people don't like us at all. <laughs> yes, because we've had some situations where we've needed one, and when you need one, you you are so thankful for a lawyer and you are so thankful for the law mm -hmm. and so thankful for the constitution and all those things that, you know, protect our freedoms that you just take for granted until you need so true. your freedoms defended. You know, so, It's very true. I still, there is no perfect justice system in the world. Um, it won't be perfect until um, Jesus is reigning <laughs> over everybody. But I do think we're blessed in America to have the system we do have. And I do believe that it's the best that's out there. And then until something better has come, come along, we're very fortunate to have what we have here. That's awesome. Do, are these kind of courts expanding more into the United States? They are. They've really um, taken off because you can see the investment in people uh, is a cost savings at the end. At the end, you mm -hmm. know, when you balance out what it costs for somebody to do treatment uh, versus being incarcerated for mul multiple years. Oh, right. And so the cost savings is significant. It's almost the difference probably between like outpatient care and inpatient care. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in a way. In a way, very much so. It costs thousands of dollars a year to pe put people in prison um, and it costs thousands to uh, do treatment. But if you're uh, having lesser less recidivism and people aren't going back mm -hmm. to prison, it's paying back in dividends. Right. And, so, and in ways that we can't measure financially. Correct. Yeah. Things that you can't, a, a happy family, um, parents being able to go to their kids' soccer games. Those are things that, that matter and they're, they don't have a financial cost to them, but you and I know how cool it is, uh, for somebody who hadn't ever had somebody be able to attend something because they were always, uh, drunk or mm -hmm. high, mm -hmm. and yet be able to say, "Hey, my dad made all my baseball games this year." That's a story wow. we heard too. Oh my like, gosh! Yeah, that's cool. That that's that is a an impact for generations to come. That is so true. Yeah, the ripple effect you you'll never be able to measure that. Correct. That's awesome. Yeah, one of the first treatment court graduations. So we celebrate them when they graduate when they complete the whole program. Yeah, and so it's pretty cool. Uh, but after one of the first graduations, one of the defendants came up to give me a hug. And I had, that has never happened as a prosecutor. Wow. Ever. And so I was like, uh, stepping back, kind of freaking out, like, what's going on here? Yeah, and then yeah. I realized, just grateful that life had changed and that he that he'd had the opportunity to go into the program. So it was kind of one of those awkward, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Moments. Yeah, yeah. I've never been hugged by a defendant before. And Usually they called names, but <laughs> not not thanked and hugged. <laughs> That's awesome. Just yeah. and they get to choose. Yes, they get to choose if they want this program. Um, so we offer it to people based on whether they have a need for it. Um, whether you see something, uh, they have to go through kind of a screening process. They meet with a counselor. We kind of see if you have a substance use disorder and kind of figure out where, what we can do and if we can help you. Mm -hmm. And then they can choose um, either to a prison offer or to go to treatment. And so I think when you're that invested in it, you also kind of want to want to do it. And some people come in begrudgingly because they don't, they don't want to go to prison, but oh, they don't really think they yeah. need help or they don't want it. And they're like, I'm just doing this to Which stay out of prison. Which is probably a lot of people, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is, it is. But you'll see that switch kind of flip 
about 60 or 90 days in when they've been um, substance free for a while and they're starting to see what sobriety is and they're kind of starting to like it and and realizing they're more effective in what they're doing their decision making is better and so after kind of that healing part in their brain they kind of really start diving in and realize this is a good thing and so um, often they're not so sure about it at first but by the time they're done they're grateful that is so cool. And is it true that like almost everyone is, or do some people really get through it and they're just so, not really affected? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We're never going to be able to help everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have about a DWI courts are about like a 95%, 90, 90% recidivism rate, which means very few people come back to commit another crime again. And so that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah so seeing that is huge. Um, drug court's a little bit lower, but like normal recidivism is about 40%, and drug courts are more at the 65-70%. So you're still seeing a huge difference mm-hmm. in people um, staying out of the system and li- living successful lives. Okay, this might be a silly question, but does do you ever like run into people where they're like, wow, I'd really like to be in this program that's completely paid for, but I don't want to commit a crime. <laughs> so, so honestly, we have had people kind of try to figure out how to get in it or get get somebody in it, and it's we, we really don't have the ability right. to do that. But yes, there are people that are like, gosh, or lots of people who will say, I wish this would have happened to me sooner. Like, yeah, yeah. I wish I would have learned what I learned, you know, on my fourth DWI at my second DWI and right. not wasted those years in between, you know, mm-hmm. so just, so some of that. Is, and has that ever been a thought with the courts or it's more like, you know, they need to get to a point where they obviously need it. They need to get to a point where they need it. Yeah. And often you don't realize it right away. And so, and we'll see that especially with drug court. Often you kind of have to hit rock bottom yeah, to yeah. realize, okay, no, this is this is what I need. My life has to change. Right. And so it, that's kind of when that starts clicking. And I suppose, too, the difference would be, like, for the people that aren't, like, too excited about it at first, it, it's mandatory, right? It's right. prison or this. So. <laughs> so it helps with that motivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's <laughs> something about seeing a judge every couple weeks uh, who is checking up on what you're doing. Um that huge accountability huge accountability and that's where the whole parenting thing comes into because you realize that when you have accountability uh it matters like if you don't follow up on stuff with your kids then Mm -hmm. they figure out i get away with that but if you're following up on somebody and and somebody didn't somebody tested positive and you're immediately bringing them into court and saying hey what's going on you you know you have the substance in your system um, and so, you know, they get a chance to be honest and we reward honesty just like you do at home, like with your kids. Honesty That's is cool. one of the most important things. Um, but, uh, and often you find, well, you know, I had a trigger, you know, or my mom died or my mom got really sick or somebody was diagnosed with cancer. And so people, uh, revert back to the system they know of coping mm-hmm. instead of, um, using the new tools they've gotten, or then we work with a counselor um, the counselor works with them to, to develop new coping skills mm-hmm. and, and realize you have to kind of change that whole uh, pattern. And mm-hmm. so it makes it, so it's, but it's that immediate ca- accountability that really makes a difference, I think. 
That is awesome. Yeah. I mean, that is so cool because we just need it in our lives. Like, everyone needs it. If I had to go in front of a judge <laughs> every week for anything, I would do it. <laughs> right. It, it is a great motivator. Hey, you can either go out that door and go home, or you can go down that door and go to jail. <laughs> okay, I'll follow. Yes. Yes, yes sir. sir. Exactly. And so it, it helps people start the path of making right decisions. And then once they had that sobriety for a while, they realized they like making those right decisions Mm -hmm. and then they're better capable and, and just the, the snowball effect in the positive side is good. I love it. That is so amazing. So, um, um, so before we end, I thank you so much for sharing that with us because I really feel like it's going to help so many people and I hope that it gets spread around so that, you know, the, the news of this, is important. People need to, you know, hear about what these positive things that are happening. Um, but just to like end on, so I know you've talked a lot about being a mom and I love that. And so how do you, um, you know, try to find balance between your mom life and work life <laughs> and fun life and husband life? And I know she volunteers too, because our, our kids are in the same private school. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I was actually really, really blessed when I went to work for um, my boss, who I work for now. When I was pregnant with Maddie, I went in and told him I was going to quit because I wanted to be at home and be a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, now, hold on. Wait a minute. Let's see. Is there anything we can do short of you quitting? And so... I was the first part-time attorney that they had uh, for the county. So I was able to balance that out. um, And he still gives me a flexible schedule now so that I can do the things um, that are um, important to me at home. And so I... Now that says a lot about you that he was willing to kind of bend over backwards to make sure you stayed. It made me feel really good. And I knew that I was was trying to be a good employee and he... Mm -hmm. was glad he appreciated that. And so it has been, uh, I think, mutually beneficial for 17 years in that that flexibility, just being able to to do what I need to do. And I do have a good boss who believes that family is the most important thing and that um, family should come first. And so that That is is awesome. It is. It makes it a lot easier. Um, so I do have a little bit of that, but I basically work two part-time jobs. So I work for the County and then I also work for Riverside as a prosecutor. So those combine together and then I do a lot of work from home. So that balances out so that I can be at home with my kids on mom day Mondays, which, you know, when they're, we don't have school on Mondays. Yeah, we don't have school on Mondays. And so that makes it nice. Um, and so that helps. That's awesome. It does. It helps. So you can work from home. Yes. And so Mm -hmm. that is an awesome benefit so I I feel like God's blessed me with that so that it does help with that that trying to balance it right I think that's so cool too because you get to do some really purposeful work mm-hmm. and some really purposeful work <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean like yeah. your kids are purposeful but the work you do is very purposeful you know and I think that as moms that we I almost feel like that's like the best of both worlds because you know sometimes it is nice to have something outside of your family you know that not only is purposeful but also kind of helps you feel like you're winning you know because we talked about you know when you're a mom you're obviously winning as a mom but it's harder to measure it is harder to measure because <laughs> yeah. you, you don't have those same because 
momming is a long haul. Right, yes, <laughs> yes. There aren't those short, like, one-year graduation victories. It's like an 18-year <laughs> treatment program. <laughs> it is, absolutely. <laughs> don't, that end isn't always quite in sight. So, you know, it, I do. I feel very blessed to be able to, to have both worlds um, and that they can come together and I can do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. And if something amazing comes up in the future, let me know and I'll have you back on. I would love to. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you really enjoyed this interview with Amy and that you'll pass it along to everyone you know because it's so often that we pass along bad news, but how often do we pass along good news? And this is really, really good news. And don't forget to go to my website, imaginemom.com slash book and pick up the new book, Mom of Six Dies Laughing. If you want to have a good laugh, if you're a mom who is feeling overwhelmed or burnt out or alone and you want to feel more connected and encouraged and empowered, make sure you pick it up today and grab a coffee for a friend so that you can talk about it because there's a lot of good stories and if nothing else, you could at least laugh at all the things that I did wrong and it'll make you feel better about yourself as a mom. So check that out. Also, don't forget to visit us at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok at imaginemom.com with an E, not an I. See you in the next episode.